Hi, this is Gavin Hope, and you're listening to Talkin' Blues. Okay, so the first thing I noticed is that you were one of the youngest members of the Calgary Opera Chorus, which means that your love of singing came very early. How did that happen? Um, it came by accident, actually, um, by a blessed accident, I guess. I um, I listened to a lot of different things as a, as a, as a young kid, and uh, uh, music kind of found me. I, um, ironically, I was one of those extroverted class clowns, but I was also painfully shy when I when it came to singing or something. Um, and when I was about 15 or 16, um, I was uh, I was in choir with my I was in high school choir. I guess I was 14. Um, anyway, I was I was in I joined my high school choir because um, well I love music and also because the the school choir was going on a, on a field trip to Nelson, BC. I was racing Calgary, uh, and I thought it was the most exciting thing in the world. So I joined because I wanted to travel, <laughs> not because it was music, but. Um, the more I did it, the more I just fell in love with it, and I love choral arrangements and music, and I just I, I just did really well with that. And I started getting a lot of solos in the choir, and I was scouted um, uh, at one of the school talent contests, or not contests, I'm sorry, uh, talent shows. And uh, I was touted by uh, Mac, his name was Mac Lindsay from the Calgary Stampede. And um, he uh, gave me his card and said it'd be great if I, I could um, be a part of the Calgary Stampede Youth Talent Showdown. <laughs> so it's a talent, wow. yeah, it was a talent competition uh, during the Cal uh, Calgary Stampede. So um, I mean, to me, it was like the biggest thing in the universe, and it was exciting, but I was terrified, and um, uh, I was basically pushed into, into it. I was as well, sorry, encouraged. I, I should say, not pushed into it. Um, <laughs> so I was hurled into the fire. I mean, I was encouraged by family and friends to <laughs> to go into the uh, into the competition, and I did. And somehow, I ended up placing second out of uh, several hundred contestants, and and it sort of snowballed from there. And the more I did, the more um, things came to me. And it just um, I was still very shy, and it took a long time for me to get over the performance shyness and the nerves. But the following year, I, I entered the contest again, and I ended up um, winning. Um, and uh, and then, yeah. So, oh, sorry. I just, I, mean, I need to get to the Calgary Opera Chorus. Or, or, or did you want me to get to that point? Or <laughs> what? Well, no. I guess we want to establish how you. Got oh, the love of music. To, uh, learn to sing, or got yeah, the love of singing. But, but tell me, um, did you think you had a good voice? I didn't really. You know, I mean, I was always so self-deprecating, even to this day. I never thought, damn, I'm good. Mariah, who? Luther who? No, never like that at all. At all. I was just this little goofy kid who would, you know, be a clown in the days, sometimes get picked on at school. But then um, some of my escape was listening to music and listening to the top 10 of 10 or listening to AM radio. And just like, you know, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. I mean, I love music um, and Motown and stuff. I just listened to records, you know, records, the vinyl, you know, or if I got grounded for something, I would go to, I'd be in my room and I would have music. So I listened to it all the time. I would sing with it. I didn't think of it as a thing. Um, and then when I got into school and choirs and all of that, I was, I was starting to, you know, I was actually doing a thing where, with with singing. Um, I uh, it, it it was just more of a thing that developed. It wasn't something. It was I wasn't really aware of of my voice or or singing. I just knew how much I enjoyed it. And then I got a karaoke machine for one Christmas, and um, <laughs> it was the most exciting thing in the world. And so I said, well, and I would ask my mom. Well, well, 
listen to me sing. And she would start crying. And I knew that it meant it was something good. <laughs> when you make your mother cry, it's a good thing. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Yeah. So definitely. I thought, I mean, I, but I didn't think, you know, I didn't think ahead to the point of, oh, well, this is going to be my career. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> I was like, do I want to, yeah, do I want to be a fireman or a jet, uh, jet plane fighter in the, uh, you know, the Air Force or, or a vet? I don't know. <laughs> you know. I was just, I was all over the map. You know, pretty much like today still, but. So you when know. you joined the Calgary Opera Chorus. Yes. Um, I mean, that's a different kind of singing, I would presume. Oh, yes, completely. So with the, with, uh, with the, comp with the, um, with, with choirs and, and the solos and the competitions, I was starting to develop it uh, by doing it more, uh, develop singing as a craft uh, more. Uh, it was still not something I thought of as a career, but with the more success I had um, and more attention I got with singing in school and then with choirs and the Alberta Youth Choir, which I got, which was an honor choir, um, I knew that I started realizing I had something. And um, so did my family and uh, my, uh, I think my grandfather, my grandfather knew somebody who was associated with Calgary Opera and they were having auditions for the chorus. And they said that, uh, he said, well, you should give it a try. I'm like, oh, you know, I could, I couldn't possibly. Well, finally, I ended up um, auditioning and, you know, by, uh, by the grace of God, I got in. I'm like, it's talent. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it was so surreal. And I'm really, I, I have, I've, I've always had an ear. So I'm not an opera singer. I, I was not an opera singer. I was barely even a singer period. Um, but I had a good ear and I could I could make my sound sound like an opera, like, like I get, give a good classically trained kind of sound. I did have some vocal lessons at that point. So I knew things like placement and that sort of thing. So I, I, I did my audition. I managed to get into the chorus. Um, at first I was a supernumerary, which means I was an extra non-singing role, but then I got to be part of the chorus and um, I was, I was 17 at the time. And by then I had already graduated high school. I had already, you know, won the contests and I'd already been, um, and then I also became a member of a local acapella group called the Earth Tones. Um, so the ball was rolling and this was a new facet of singing that I could get into and stage. And I just, and I, I just loved it. And I'll always remember that feeling, you know, of not having performed on a big stage before to, you know, finally getting in these gigantic productions with the opera chorus where everybody was much older than me or, you know, had a, there was a big age gap, but um, performing these these massive operas, and then opening night having that big curtain at the Jubilee raise, and just seeing this gigantic crowd and the orchestra starts, I was just oh, yeah. So I love that. So I got to be uh, in about four operas there. Wow. Um, yeah. Were you always a baritone? Would I, am I correct to assume that you were a baritone? I was born a bass, but honey, now I'm a soprano. I'm kidding. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was a lot of things. Um, so like anybody, you know, the younger you are, the higher your voice is. Uh, right. I was, um, I was one, I mean, I was basic, probably I was a soprano until, you know, they dropped and, <laughs> and then the change happened. Um, but when I was in, um, in the, in the opera course, I was a baritone. When I was in choirs, uh, I was a bass. So like, uh, in high school choirs in the Alberta youth choir for two years, I was a bass. But, um, I, again, with the shyness, I was afraid of. Sing, having to sing high or getting, I had to develop my range. And uh, basically, you know, over the years has, has, has expanded to, and now I'm like a bar baritone tenor. Um, so yeah, I mix it up. Depends on the time of day. These days, I'm, in the mornings, I'm a bass, you know, by, by cocktail hour, I'm full on Celine Dion. Um, can you, 
Do you remember when your voice changed? Was that frightening? Was that a concern? <laughs> Picture it, Sicily, 1948. <laughs> um, <laughs> do I remember? Do you no, remember I mean, as a singer. <laughs> no, I, I don't, oh. but I, I, I didn't sing. Um, no, I, um, when I was singing, okay, well, not just in general, not a general no, puberty question, but no, as a singer. No. Yes, as a singer. <laughs> Would you pass the potatoes? Um, as a singer, as a performer, uh, let's see. I, you know, I lit now in, in retrospect, when I see video footage of me performing on, um, a TV special, like for the contest when I was like 18 or 17 or whatever, Oh God, I see myself a painful, I was still a painfully shy performer. And my voice, I mean, it, it, it was there, but it wasn't quite honed. It was just, um, yeah, I don't know. Like as far as it changing, it sort of just got a little, it had, it, I was gonna say, it got a little more girth over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, just, you know, like my waist. <laughs> it, it, it got some, it, I developed my tone. I developed uh, the range over the years. The more I used my voice, the more elastic it became. Um, but since I always, yeah, as far as my voice changing, it, I think it had changed pubescently before I started singing. Um, but there was no real noticeable clunk or crack. It just sort of grew, grew on its own, in its own way. And it's funny because my speaking voice um, as you've probably already heard in this interview, when I get excited, it goes higher. And I, I'm, I kind, I'm kind of soft-spoken, but loud at the same time. But then when I sing, I'm like, it's, it's a completely different tone than my speaking voice. Okay, so I read somewhere that in your late teens, you actually sang backup for Michael Bolton's tour. Is that correct? I did, yes. Uh, and it's Time, Love, and Tenderness tour. Um, I was uh, selected to be part of a small um, ensemble that sang on his tour. Uh, for the Alberta dates, um, which was a huge thing for me. So it was at the Saddle Dome. Wow. And uh, we were elevated from the floor. That was just so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like little little memories and chunks of time. Um, that was that was my first arena gig, <laughs> which was cool. And what, would, what did that experience teach you? That actually sort of lit the, fi lit the match with the fire saying, damn, I want to do this again. And I want to be the one out front. <laughs> and uh, just... Even though you were still shy. Um, yeah, like, you know, as a performer, because it's a very, it can be a very vulnerable thing to to sing, or at least it was for me as a kid, because it was what I did to escape. It was my time. It was me singing to myself. It was just basically an escape. I didn't think I was going to be any kind of, you know, superstar or anything. I wouldn't dare think of that, that I could be one. I just wanted to to escape with the music and sing and sort of connect somehow with the music. And when I learned that I could connect with people, when I, when I inspired a smile or a, t and it sounds cheesy as hell, but it's, it's, it's true. When I could see that I could inspire people or tell a story and that they read that when they reacted, that, that feeds me or when they react, it feeds me. And still today as an audience, I love to read the audience. I love to motivate joy and dancing or laughing or even crying. And it's just, it's been a thing, you know, throughout my career. It's just been, that's, that's been, that's been the fuel for me as a, as a performer. And it's not praise or adulation. It's literally just being able to connect. And perhaps it's been, and that ties into, you know, being my kind of personality, the extrovert, you know, even the class clown. When I made people laugh in school, it, 
it was a positive affirmation and I wanted to do more of it. It was acceptance. It was um, a way that I could connect with them. And it also, you know, as in junior high school, when I could make people laugh, it, you know, it stopped them from beating me up. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's a good thing. You know? That is a good thing. Um, also, at a young age, um, you joined the nylons. Yes, I... Like at age of 20. I was, I was literally... I was not even 20 and a half when I got accepted to be a member of the group. I um, I was the fetus of the group. And to this day, I'll always be the fetus of the group, even when I'm using a cane as an old man. Um, were, the, were the earth tones, was that similar to, I mean, was that, I know that was an acapella group, so was it similar to what nylon, the nylons did? Uh, it was similar in the sense that it was, a, it was, was it a quartet or a quintet? It was a quartet. It, yeah, well, I mean, it was acapella. Um, and that's the earth tones were actually the conduit for me to become a member eventually, uh, of the nylons, because, uh, after the, uh, the stampede talent show, well, during the stampede talent showdown, the earth tones, they also competed. Um, I love my brothers from the earth tones, but I beat them. <laughs> uh, I didn't meet them. <laughs> um, I also beat Paul Brandt that year. Just saying, um, <laughs> I'm not, not that it's important. I'm not dropping names or anything, but. Uh, in 1902, I beat uh, Paul Brandt and the Earth Tones. Uh, but Paul, but Paul, Paul has had huge success. He's amazing and such a great guy. Anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> I saw something shiny. The interview just went to. Sh- <laughs> um, but yes, the Earth Tones um, was an acapella group. I met them at this, at, during the Stampede um, contest. And they asked me to become a member. And at the time, it was, the group was called Eddie and the Earth Tones. And um, locally, they were doing really uh, really well. And they gained a lot of, lot of local popularity. And uh, they became a touring band, or we became a touring band. And it was really my first band experience, you know, with the dynamics of personalities and stuff and gigging. You know, you have one minute you're doing a bar mitzvah. The next time you're doing in a theater, uh, you know. And, it, and we, I remember headlining our own um, concert. And in, I was at Inglewood, God Lord, Calgary in the ni- early 1990s. Um, but wasn't it, I can't remember the name of the theater. It wasn't the Vogue Theater that's in Vancouver. Anyway, it was, we sold out. We had like, we were literally like the, the Calgary um, or the Alberta Backstreet Boys for a, a little while. And we had fans. And it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. We recorded an album. And um, when, and during that time, when the Nylon, um, the Nylons were touring their album "Live to Love," and uh, they they um, they came out to uh, to Alberta, and I guess we got uh, the gig to open for the group. And it's a really um, interesting sequence of events because I remember my great aunt got me tickets to see the Nylons um, before any of, of the Earth Tones had happened, um, and I was like, "Okay, well, let me go, let me go check it out," and. Um, I went to see them. I'm like, oh, I know this song. I know this song. Oh, yeah, them. this is them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there was that. And then so the following year, um, or following year, following a couple of years after that, uh, with the Earth Tones, we were asked to, to open for them. And it was like such a huge deal. And we were so excited. And, um, and we opened. We met the guys. And... Uh, it was, it was it, looking back on it now, being, having been in nylon for 12 years and it's just, I was so, I literally had, I basically probably had like placenta hanging off my head. I was so young 
<laughs> I had barely just, you know, <laughs> the cord had just been cut. I still had that, that anyway, I was very young and it was just, it was just like, everything was wow. Ooh, ah, uh, going backstage, getting to meet the nylons. And, you know, and that time it was um, Arnold Robinson, may he rest in peace. Uh, uh, Mika Barnes, Billy Newton Davis, and Claude Morrison. Wow! And uh, and, and and we had such a great time um, performing for them um, on a few of their dates. And then I kept in touch with Mika Barnes because he lived. In, I was still living in Calgary, and and they were all based out of Toronto. And uh, this was a time when you would write like letters. Remember writing? Does anybody remember <laughs> ha- like script longhand? Yes, I've heard about it. Like I had, pe- I used to have pen pals. And so, and then Mika became one of my pen pals and we're just talking about, you know, the industry and life and stuff. And, um, and then the fall and, and then, okay. So that, that happened. Look at you. You don't even have to ask, like ask me questions. I was just like, I'm blabbing here. <laughs> um, this is my memoirs as a, as a 40 something year old man, I'm looking back on my life. It's going to be a Hallmark TV special. <laughs> God. <laughs> Anyway, um, so after the opening and all that um, with the nylons, we we had a great a great time. I w- I had just done you know I had just done a couple years of university, and first year was music because I knew I was really loving music. But then I was like, okay, so I want to perform, I want to sing. But if you take music at the University of Calgary, you're either going to be a music teacher, or you're going to major in. If you're going to major in performance, you're going to have to be an opera singer or a classically trained singer or that kind of vibe. And that wasn't really my vibe, even though I was part of the uh, Calgary Apple Chorus. Um, I would probably lean towards, I was leaning more towards wanting to be like a pop singer or that kind of thing, um, or a conductor. And that wasn't going to happen, <laughs> or a choral leader or something like that. So I'm like, well, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And the second year at the university, was, I took general studies. So I took things like gross anatomy because I love medicine, I love biology. I just didn't have the math skills to be a doctor. I took education because maybe I want to be a teacher. I took psychology because what is the meaning of life? And so on and so on. <laughs> um, so this is the, a time of uncertainty. And so uh, like 16, 17, 18, 19, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And so after all this great experience with, with music and performing with uh, the earth tones and getting accolades for the talent competitions and the opera i was like well what am i going to do i love music it's my passion it's really the only thing i seem to be kind of good at so what will i do so the following year i um i got the opportunity to i got asked to become a member of at that time it was a group called high five right um not many people know this uh this is one of this was the impetus for me leaving the earth tones because i thought it was a group based out of the states they had a they had a couple of huge r&b hits for the time um uh, she's playing hard to get. Uh, she's playing hard to get, and she likes me. She likes. Me. Anyway, it was it was popular then. It didn't sound like it like I just sang it, but um, <laughs> it was a lot better. So I was being groomed to be a member of the group. So they flew me to New York a couple of times. They flew me down to Orlando. I met the group. I started rehearsals for choreography, and then it fell through because the manager never got me a work permit. So I was denied entry at the border at that time. So that fell apart and I had already left the group and I was like, so what am I going to do with my life? So then I, um, I, uh, decided because I have family in Toronto, I was born in Toronto and I just decided, well, I'm going to take money that I've saved and just go and give it a trial run. So I came to Toronto 
And uh, can I ask you what you were thinking in terms of a musical career at this point? Was it were you thinking I want to be a solo artist, or you wanted to join a band, or I was what direction we? I was very subtly thinking I want to be a star. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, that was that. I sound like Ethel Merman in drag. Um, But no, I just want. I didn't think that's the thing. I don't plan. (laughs) I don't even. I barely even think. Um, as I said, very ADD, very <laughs> something shiny. I just wanted to do, I knew that I had some momentum and some success as a singer. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to do it, then I, I better try to really do it. And so while Calgary's a, a great town, I had to come where the music and the art and the theater really was thriving. And that that's Toronto. Um, I mean, Vancouver is great, but that's more like film and TV. But for me, it was Toronto because they had family and I could sort of stay with them for a bit and try to figure some stuff out. So, getting to Toronto, oh, I, I, I just, like, literally, just after my 20th birthday, uh, I said, um, so, Mom, I'm going to go to, uh, I want to move to Toronto and just try it out. <laughs> so, I did that. I drove cross-country, packed up my, my Honda, drove out here. And once I um, once I was here, within three weeks, I had an eight, uh, talent agency, eight by uh, headshots, you know, theater, trying to get into some theater, because I love theater as well. So, Brian. Okay, where, where does I know you wound up getting into theater, but how um, how much training did you have in theater? <laughs> I had drama in high school, <laughs> and I also took <laughs> I, I, I took a I took a couple courses at Mount Royal College, and also drama at the University of Calgary. But you know, no no degrees. I mean, I could have continued with that, but it's just you know when you like everything and all the things and the shiny things, it's sometimes hard to focus and just narrow it down and laser in. Right. Um, but at the moment, I just went with what I was feeling for music, and I came to Toronto. And once I got here and I got all that, then Mika Barnes was back in touch. He's like, "Hey, so you're in Toronto now? Listen, he had he had more he had new plans for himself, and and he he saw himself um, branching out and doing a solo thing. And Billy Newton Davis was feeling the same, and uh, they had had their run in the nylons, and he just put the bee in their bonnet and then mine that hey, if you're if you want to try out for the nylons, if you want to audition." Um, I'll let them know, and you can come and audition for the Nylons. And I, uh, I did. I had a couple of um, meetings with them and sang with them and for them. And next thing you know, I was a member of the Nylons in 1990. At the end of 1993. What did that mean to you? Uh, at 20 at at 20 years old. Wow. Well, for lack of a, well, if I can, I swear on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was 20 years old, not knowing what the hell I was going to do with my life, hoping that something could happen. And then suddenly I'm a member of the Nylons. So my initial thought was, after screaming in a pillow privately, um, my initial thought was, holy fuck. Yes! <laughs> I, was, I was just like, I was ecstatic. I was excited. I was ecstatic. I was scared. I, um, you know, I was, I was a lot of things. It was, it was big. And, um, yeah, and my first, and so I was doing a small little my first theater gig in Toronto after you know being after auditioning for something I got a, a part of the Smile Theater Company. Um, I got to play uh, a role and in, in, in a show there for about six weeks, and there was a little bit of overlap. So they waited until I was finished that, and then as soon as I was done that in, the, in the January 1994, I was like in the studio. I was like I think in the studio by January February, recording the next the next Nylons album. And we did back-to-back albums. We did the, the Because and then um, uh, Christmas album. So it was go, 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 go. Wow. And I think my first, yeah, my first gig 
<laughs> my first gig, my first touring gig was uh, going down to the States with the nylons and uh, I think it was Stanford, Connecticut. And I remember laying down in the back seat of whatever van or tour van or limo we had. And I was just smiling to myself thinking, thank you. I'm so, I'm so happy. So that's sort of, that's, that was a really long winded version of, of, <laughs> you know, getting into the music scene here. <laughs> okay. So when you were doing the theater, was that musical theater at that point? Or was it theater, theater, acting theater? It was both, but on like on the minimal scale, like it was, it's a very small theater company, but it's also kind of been in Toronto for some time. I was working with, um, uh, well, it used to be quite a big names in that, the theater industry in, in Toronto and in some TV as well, Dinah Christie and Tom Nebo. Right. And the music, the, it was called Doc Ruffin. And what it was, it was, it was bringing music in theater to, um, to long-term care homes and residences. <laughs> we toured basically the GTA and Ontario. Um, but sorry, my, and, I guess my you know, my question is: Did you was theater oh. important? Was it getting into theater was one of your passions? Was oh. it important <clears throat> that it was musical, or it didn't have to be musical? Well, I I mean, while I do love acting and improv, I think music theater was 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 the melding of a best of both worlds for me. So I love I love musicals, and you know, and being a gay, it's you know, just staple. <laughs> it's like musicals. <laughs> it's just kidding. Not to pander to stereotypes. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, uh, but but to, but when I was doing when I was in choir and when I was in theater, I mean, musicals were you know I I, I want you know, what was big then was Les Mis and Miss Saigon and all of that. And I was really like I was, I just you know awestruck. You know, I got this, the the stars in my eyes when I, you know, heard the heard the recordings and. When I got to see it on stage, I was in my very first musical was Phantom of the Opera in Toronto on a, on a visit. And it was at the Pantages. Was it? Yes. And it just, it just, yeah, it blew me away. And, it's, and I just knew that that was going to be a part of my life in one way or another. Wow. And I hoped to be on stage. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then you, you record with the Nylons. You actually, because you had the experience of opening up for them in Alberta, did you know what you were getting us? Like, did you have a sense of what the nylons were and where they were at career-wise and what joining that band would be like? I had a sense of how big it was in general just, just because of my past of Black experience and just from what I've seen and what I've heard. But, um, you know, with, with, with many things, some things you take for granted or you don't realize it until hindsight. But um, it was truly like I mean I'll always be grateful and I will always be happy remembering, you know, getting into it. But at, at the time, I was elated. I was excited as far as the full gravity of of what where they were and what they were. I mean, of course, I had to grow and learn that. Being you know when I joined the group, I was you know I was the youngest and they I mean not just well I'm not going to speak poorly of the group or the management, but at the time it was just like okay. He's the kid. They dealt with more of the business, and I was one of the singers. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I was still enjoying the touring, and uh, but I, I get more invested. I became a partner as I as I got, you know, older and had more tenure with the group. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was a wonderful thing, and it, it will always have been a wonderful thing for me. It's like part, one of the bricks of my, oh God, one of the the building blocks of my life. <laughs> one of the the panels in my life quilt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, so four years later, you you leave the band and decide that you want to get into professional theater. Um, Well, because I saw another opportunity and I was still quite young and I I wanted I I wanted more. And while I love the nylons and I love the touring, it had hit as as far as it was going to get as far as, you know, material or artistic, you know, in input. Um, I was still discovering myself as well as a, as a singer and I wanted to do, you know, solo recordings. And I just, I think I had done a friend of mine. Well, gosh, it's, oh God, I'm going off on so many branches, but there was a lot more that I wanted to do. And while I loved the nylons and, and the music, it, I, I felt that it wasn't necessarily going to be going any further uh, to develop anything further um, it, because they had, they, they were, they were in existence like God, 20, 25 years before I joined. So they have their history, they have their thing, but I wanted to do more and it was hard to commit to both things. Um, I, with still being part of a talent agency, I was doing commercials, I was doing some TV and some, you know, film work and I would get theater auditions. And again, I still love theater. And one of the biggest musicals to ever happen that came to town or starting with a Canadian cast was Rent. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would audition for for it. I auditioned for it once and I got a call back. Audition for it again. Got another callback. Audition for it again. I had like four or five callbacks for that, and then for the next thing I know, it's like, well, they want to offer you these roles or this role, um, and you'd be understudying two of the leads as well. Um, and it was a steady weekly gig, and it was going to be a goddamn big musical. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> so you know, I had to clutch the proverbial pearls and and sort of prioritize and figure out what was happening. You know, I was with the nylons, great, but it was a gig here and there, and it was while well, fun, while well, I loved performing with them, it just there was no new branchness. But I couldn't, I couldn't do two different things at the same time, so I had to make the choice to to go with theater. And I'm so very glad I did because it, I mean, it rent was probably the most. Um, Bonding, growing, learning, fan freaking tastic uh, theater experience I've ever had in my career uh, because it was just so real and raw and new and it opened my eyes to so many things. The way that we bonded to, for the story of of Rent and the way um, it, by Jonathan Larson the, who 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 um, oh god it's it's so layered but it just it just meant something it had meaning. And I, uh, it was, it was just such a great thing to be a part of. Um, and I'm so very glad that I did it. I don't regret that. And to leave the nylons, it was hard for me because I would have loved to have been able to do both. But when you do eight shows a week, <laughs> you can't really do, you can't, oh, um, I'll be right back. I was just going to, you know, Utah for a few days for a gig. Um, so I just want to, I'm, I've always been the kind of person that want, that loves a lot of things and wants to do as many things as possible. Unfortunately, that particular time I couldn't I couldn't do both, so I left the nylons uh, after doing four albums with them and uh, touring some amazing places. Um, but I wanted to try theater. It was my chance to do theater. I was twenty four, and um, yeah, and then I and from that I've branched off to more amazing theater experiences as well, and still have been able to do music and uh, you know. Kind of how difficult! Like, I I can't even imagine how how doing eight shows a week how difficult that must be and just the discipline that's required in, in, 
in everything, in, in the way you use your voice, in the way you, you, you eat, mm, the way uh-huh. you live, just to make sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. very much so. Um, how difficult was, how difficult an, an adjustment was that for you from going on the road with the nylons to having eight days a week mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. theater? God bless you. You know, I didn't actually consider it difficult, and that's not coming from any kind of pompous. It, it was exciting as hell. It was challenging, and I love challenge. That's why one of the reasons I left the Nylons, I wanted to be challenged and bring myself up to that level and, and succeed. And it was it was intimidating as well, you know, because it was full-on professional theater. It wasn't just professional theater. It was one of those mega musicals, mm-hmm. which is an entirely different, like, it's theater, but it's a, like it's a, it's a monster. It's a behemoth, depending on the production. You know, and it, it, the story was bigger than all of us, but that we were part of that story. It was also the process of learning, of memorizing. And then you put the show up and it's blocking and it's like, it was, it was exciting as hell. It was input. It was input. It was stimulation. It was challenging myself. And I was part of a group and it was a group effort and a team. And, and I also had to step out and be up front. I had to lead, um, a story or be in front of, or be, uh, when I understood the leads like, uh, Collins or, you know, I had to, I had to play that role and be out front and also have a cast supporting. And it was, um, uh, it was just, it, it was just, it was always, it was, it's always been uh, an exciting wow kind of factor for me. So I never thought, oh my God, this is hard. <laughs> you know, when I was, mem- <laughs> when I was memorizing, sure. But it was like, you know, but once that was in the pocket, you, you, you learn the energies of your fellow um, actors on stage, you tell the story the way it was meant to be told you respect the story or respect your fellow actors and it just it i'm getting chills just just thinking about it because there's something about theater being a family putting together a, a beautiful piece of work or something you know and and telling the story the way it's meant to be told gosh i haven't spoken about like I spoken about theater like this really in a while so it's it's kind of you know giving me the feels <laughs> how different is the um the process of singing when you're when you're singing with an a cappella group versus yes. singing in theater and then singing with a band behind you, is that a different thing or is it all the same? Okay, well that's a couple of questions in one. Um, as far and and the first question, you're basically re-asking the question I just branched off on and completely forgot about. Yes, as far as the demands of singing in theater. Yeah. It's that was part of the learning process is because yes, it's eight shows a week. You can't blow it out. You can't just shriek. You can't you have to take care of yourself a lot better because you have that duty to be there and show up and have a voice for the next show. Um, and and that is one of the huge learning curves that I had to uh, adjust to. Um, but it also helped me grow as a vocalist because you learn where your voice is. You learn when it's tired. You learn how to go around it. Um, and respect yourself and your body so that you're healthy enough to perform, you know, day in and day out. It's it's very demanding. Yes, eight shows a week is very demanding. Um, and later down, later on down the line, you know, when I did The Lion King, oh, that's a whole like that was all of those things, and then times a hundred because of all the physicality and and the moving parts on stage, and it was just woo child. But we'll get to that later. Um, as far as singing with a band behind me, I mean, I've done a, I've sung with a band be- behind me before, so that means or or su- supported with with instrumentation. Right. You know, Rent Rent was I think uh, it was I think between five and eight was it? God, it wasn't like a huge orchestra for Rent. It was a band um, and some track. And uh, the Nylons 
at while acapella, we also had backing tracks from time to time to sing on top of to thicken out the sound. And the first album I did with the Nylons was their second foray into having instrumentation with the acapella, which, you, you know, some of our diehard Nylons fans didn't always appreciate. <laughs> but, um, you know, because the Nylons wanted to do new things, too, you know, with with Mika and Billy, they wanted to delve into different styles and, uh, you know, trying to keep relevant and keep modern. Um, you know, we did have we had some instrumentation on the uh, on the first couple albums I did with them as well. But the root of the nylons has always been a cappella and always, always will be. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, tangent, <No>. squirrel. <laughs> no. So you love the theater, that whole experience. But at one point you yep, decide always. that you want to do a, a, a solo album. Oh, well, there's overlap here as well. And again with me, like I said, I love so many different things. And I will do all the things all the time, if possible. Right. There comes a time when you sort of have to focus in order to advance. But that's, again, that's another story. So while I was doing Rent, I actually, um, okay, I might be screwing the timeline up here. But before I did Rent, I, or in between the, the transfer of, between the nylons and, um, and Rent, I had a, a single out uh, called Can I Get Close? <laughs> Yes, and it was nominated, and it was nominated for a Juno Award, which was exciting. Yeah. Um, and uh, then my 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 friend, uh, who was who was at the time, he was a um, he worked at Quality Records and was a, an independent radio promoter, and he was very enthusiastic about what he did. And he's also a songwriter, so he co-wrote um, my first. Well, he co-wrote a lot of the scenes that I've that I've done as well as well as Dave Pickell, based out of Vancouver. Um, but, uh, they, uh, once we had success with that first tune, it was like, well, Hey, let's, let's do another one, which was the tears I cry. And, um, and then I got rent and, and then said, well, you know, we have, we've had some success with what, how about an album? So I got a great, thank God for Canada supporting its, 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 uh, local artists. Cause I got a, a factor grant for that. And, um, through that, I was able to, um, record my very first solo album, anything like mine. And uh, while I was in Rent, Rent was here in Toronto for several months. And then we went to Ottawa and then we went to Vancouver. And while I was in Vancouver, I recorded the rest of my solo albums. So it wasn't like, I'm going to be an acapella singer. Now I am going to be in theater. <laughs> now I am going to do some. So no, this, I mean, it's all intertwined. Right. It's all intertwined. Yeah. So, but when, when you had the success with the single and you decided to record an album. Um, can you give me a sense of what you might have had in mind as to where you thought this might lead you? You know, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, again, unfortunately, part of my downfall is that I love so many different things at so many times, you know, so, you know, all at once. So I thought this is great. I basically went with it, went with it as I did with a lot of things. I was very fortunate and blessed that a lot of stuff started falling in my lap, you know, when I was in my early twenties and twenties and I would get an audition, I would get an audition here. I would land an audition there. I would get a gig here, get a gig there. I got the nylons like, okay, okay. I would just basically go wherever this beautiful music beast and scary music beast took me. But unfortunately I didn't have the focus to, or a manager 
or really any guidance as far as, you know, pushing me to go in one direction or the other. Okay. So um, I didn't, I didn't really think, okay, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go here and I'm going to do that. I mean, I did a lot of great things and I, I made some appearances. I did TV, I had backup dancers at the Juno and all that sort of thing. But it was more like rolling with it rather than basically having a driving force. You know, I had passion. I love music and I love performing. But, uh, yeah. You, so I wasn't very conscious of, I didn't have a solid, this is my plan. This is my vision board. It was never It was never like that. I mean, the fact that you got a Juno nomination speaks volumes. But do you think that you might have missed an opportunity in promoting the album because you didn't tour with it? or Or did you tour with it? Um, I had some performances, um, uh, but I, I mean, I didn't really, I mean, I did radio, I did promotion to promote promotional, uh, visits with, uh, James Collins, right. the songwriters and the, you know, uh, for the, but there was never an official, you know, putting together of a band and musicians, which I, at that point I never had before. Um, and, and making tour dates, which is such a shame because I, I believe that there was momentum and I just wasn't savvy enough to hone that in because I was so used to things just coming to me. Um, yeah, I remember there was one, there was one particular gig that I was going to have um, shortly after, was it during or after rent, that I was to open for Jack Soul with my music uh, during Canadian Music Week. Right. And I tried putting, it, and I tried putting it together myself, but I didn't, I mean, I knew musicians, but I didn't know how to pull them together for <laughs> for a gig or I didn't have charts. I didn't know, you know, so basically I was just like, Oh, I had to pull out because I just didn't, I couldn't find like, I, if I knew if I, if I like today I could pull it together, no problem. And I know, you know, I, I, like, but back then I was like, um, how do I do this? And that's kind of sad. <laughs> really? I literally like, I had so much that I was sitting on, but the wherewithal just to pull shit together was kind of, you know, Derp. So, anyway. Okay, so, and then, then you decide to take two years, and I once again, I presume that an opportunity came and you just took it, but you performed on cruise lines for a couple of years. Oh, well, yeah. So, after I left the Nylons, after I'd done my solo work, um, and, you know, after the big mega musicals, I mean, it's feast or famine in this industry, yeah. right? Uh, if you're really good at being a business person or being really good at looking after your priorities and doing your thing or have a team with you, then you can keep going in that one direction. And I was, I was fine. And I had this, all this experience. Um, but then, you know, the audition, I, you know, then it's like, you know, every now and then an audition for a commercial is not going to pay the bills. Right. And uh, I just, again, it was sort of like, okay, now what do I do? And cruise ship entertainment, you know, it had, it's it's often had a stigma to it like it's 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 um you know they, they it, it's cheesy it's this or that but i mean it's come it's come quite a long way um uh over since since the love boat <laughs> <laughs> it's they have multi-million dollar stages that see the theaters seat like two thousand people at a time it's it's and that again that was a whole other facet and a whole other learning experience i had to get my i had to sort of let go, let go of some of my ego. And, um, I, I learned, I mean, they, uh, how do I explain the cruise experience? But once again, it's a lot um, of work, right? I mean, I'm not, I know it's not theater, but amount of work, you know, if anybody in it, can I just, well, it actually kind of is, 
it's not it's not quote unquote legit theater. It's usually revusicals and reviews and, and that sort of right. vibe. But with every year that passes, the cruise industry ups their game for entertainment because they want to draw people with all the options out there. And these these multi billion dollar ships, it's crazy the amount of tech and how big the, the stages are and and the crew. And actually, there are there are Broadway performers that come down and perform as well. Um, so. I learned really quickly that the work ethic of these kids, and they were kids at the time. I was bare, I was like 28, 30, um, uh, just trying to, just basically putting together shows in a short amount of time, whipping it together, and it's on point. They work harder than some of the people that I've seen in professional theater. They're just kicking their asses, and they and they and they've done they've done great. They've done wonderful job jobs of putting shows together. So I did cruise ships. Um, or did a cruise ship, huh? my first cruise ship, uh, which was the eye opener and learning about all of that and working my butt off and matching these, their energy. And, and I was headlining, I was headlining. I was like one of the, 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 the main production singers. Um, and the money was amazing. The, you know, the travel, I mean, travel is crack for me. I love just like music and travel and photography. Those are my, those are my drugs. Those are my. I just love, 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 love travel. Um, and I saw, oh, sorry, I'll just, fin I'll just finish this. And I just, you know, we got to see some amazing, I've got to see some amazing places all over the world through that. What does the tra photography come in? When did that start? Oh, uh, photography. And again, photography was one of my escapes um, back way, way, way back when I was a kid. Um, and I got my first Polaroid camera. I would just snap, you know, those, mm -hmm. those inst instant, um, like my sound effects, I also mm. do voiceovers. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've always loved photography. I didn't really think of it. I love photography when I was doing it. I just did it because I loved it. And um, to this day, I'm extremely snap happy. And that's one of my absolute passions is, is creative photography um, now. And uh, I've had many people ask if I was going to do, if I, if I sh could do, you know, coffee table books or I would love one day to actually compile um, some some of my best work and um, and also even be commissioned um, to to do photography. I'd love to you know have stuff in a gallery at some point as well. But photography for me is you know it just it I just point and shoot when I'm motivated and then I create from that. Um, how would you describe your work? My photography? Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of it is. It's a lot of it's landscape. I mean, I want to delve more into portrait work and um, and and that kind of vibe. But I've I've done a lot of uh, travel photography, a lot of uh, landscapes, architecture, and uh, and then once I when I once I take the photos, I um, if if I see something different, I'll I'll adjust you know lighting and contrasts and highlights. I never over filter it or make it fake. It's always the base photo that stands on its own. But I love black and white photography. Um, Ansel Adams and is always a big mm -hmm. uh, influence for me because um, I love the contrast in his black and white photos. I also love old jazz and performance black and white photos. There was a there was a time when I would listen to, you know, Ella or Billy or Abby Lincoln or you know, and just the vibe, the smoky black and white texture, the grainy photo photography like that. Love it. So a lot of the photography I do now, well, not right now because of the pandemic, there's no live performance. <laughs> but when I wasn't performing myself, I would love to attend my friends and, um, and, co and concerts and take really um, like, like live performance photos. Right. 
you know, and and just set the mood, that kind of thing. Neat. So you get off the cruise ship, and then all of a sudden you're back in with the nylons. Maybe not all of a sudden. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's not like you know. So I did. I did a cruise ship for 14 months. Right. Um, through the Caribbean, Central America, um, uh, Hawaii, Alaska, and all that. Sign off of that. Then I come back. I do some commercials. I do a couple of Hallmark movies. <laughs> and then uh, I did, I think, it's in, I did three ships total over, from 2001 to 2005. But there's, there are only six-month contracts with the exception of the first contract. Um, so then I come back. And I didn't do cruise ships until I finished Lion King either. So it was sort of right after Lion King. I was like, okay, now what? So um, came back after cruise ships. and. While my and and one of my acquaintances at the time, uh, when I left the nylons, they were looking for people who could replace me, and they they had all these eight by ten or we called them eight by tens back in the nineteen hundreds <laughs> headshots of people who could possibly uh, fill the role, and uh, I recognized a few of them, and I remember their voices, and I and Mark Cassius was um, uh, one of the gentlemen that that we came across. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I know him, and and I and I suggested him. He might be a good fit, and yes, he he was definitely a great fit, and he was a member of the Nylons from the moment that I left to uh, in the early knots. Um, and uh, they were asking me because uh, occasionally Mark was unavailable for some shows, and they would ask if I would step in because the Nylons is like you know you know. And just a side note, the Nylons has been I mean I think they've been twelve different members over the thirty some odd years that they've been in existence. Right. It's sort of like the Temptations, right? So. While the group, in the essence, is always going to be this, um, the same, uh, there will be a couple of, of different members. And basically, when Mark couldn't do it, I came in and um, occasionally did a gig here and there. And so then when Mark decided he was ready to move on and do something else, he um, they, they asked me again if I would, I would consider becoming um, a full member again. And in 2006, I rejoined the group. And... Uh, which was great, which was, I'm so happy I did that as well, because the dynamic was a little different with the, with the different members. Unfortunately, we lost Arnold and uh, um, Tyrone Gabriel came in and I met, I worked with him before in some theater out in Calgary doing Smokey Joe's Cafe. I knew Mark, um, but he, I replaced him. I filled in for him and uh, Claude was, was still there and Garth was still there. So the dynamic was slightly different, but it was essentially it was still the same. So it was basically like getting back on a bike, and and uh, we got to do uh, another album, and um, got nominated for another Juno. So that was great. Oh, but yeah, that was so I had the Juno, not you know, and that was another part of the experience when I first joined. So after I did that first album, the single that I did with them, one of the singles that I did on them, Love Tokyo, was nominated for a Juno Award. So everything was just such a whirlwind back then. And so it was really nice that it came full circle and um, the album was nominated for best vocal jazz album. And uh, so got to do that. I mean, we did a lot of great things, got went to China, got to go to Borneo for, for a couple of times for the International Jazz Festival. Um, and it just picked up from there. And I was still, again, um, knowing now what I didn't quite know back then as a, as a fetus in the group, I was able to still do my own thing and, you know, and uh my own gigs uh so while i was a member of the island so that's what that's what happened that's my story i'm sticking to it (laughs) (laughs) and then you got into jeans and classics oh my god my other favorite gig yes (laughs) jeans and classics 
So part of being here and being in, in Toronto, I um, I was doing a lot of jingle work and a lot of, uh, you know, for commercials and, and stuff on, on TV. And there's a lot of great production houses here. And, and uh, during one of my jingle experiences, I, I met uh, Ricky Franks, fantastic vocalist. She sang with Dan Hill. She's got her own work. She's uh, a wonderful vocalist, wonderful soul personality. She uh, She's a facilitator. So she she remembered me from some sessions and she suggested my name in for uh to peter brennan who who runs and owns jeans and classics which is basically a band a group of musicians not just a band a group of musicians and vocalists who um who bring uh pop and rock through symphony music to to uh appeal to younger audiences it's kind of like a pops but it's like a touring pops but with a lot more options because there's like 50 different shows that they can bring to different symphony orchestras across North America. So she recommended my name as a vocalist uh, for a guest spot. Um, and, you know, I was still having help with the nylons and, and, uh, uh, and, and they was like, Hey, would you like to come and sing on our Christmas concert? And so I was like, Oh my God, yeah, I would love to do that. So uh, uh, thanks to Ricky, I came in and joined, um, joined them for a show. And then, um, I was asked to be part of more, and then next, you know, I was having, I was headlining and having shows written for me, and uh, you know, for you know, Motown. Well, I was a, a headliner for Motown as well as um, some of the other vocalists who are fantastic as well: Ricky Franks, Catherine Rose, Catlin Kiss, Liz Soderberg. There's, there's a lot of different. Oh, Gene, uh, Gene Myler, David Blay Myers. He used to sing with um, the Pat Metheny group, uh, you know, and uh, oh, Neil Donnell. You've heard him on a billion. Um, uh, uh, jingles and uh, even to this day and now he actually happens to be um, lead vocalist for Chicago oh, the yeah, actual yeah, band yeah. Chicago yeah because yeah. yeah, he also yeah because he also sang for Brass Transit as yeah. well uh, in here in Toronto um, uh, Michael Shotton there's just been so basically it's it's a group of musicians and vocalists who get you know we do different shows we headline different shows or we're, we're singing in a group sing of, of you know different everybody sings lead or and that's just been such a blessing. And I, I one of my, uh, such, oh, I love it because it's with full orchestras and the different orchestras in Canada and the United States. And the music is just, it's, oh, it's incredible. And all bias aside, but it's, yes, it's incredible. <laughs> so now that's been my staple. Um, and, and my, one of my main gigs nowadays to, uh, to perform and tour with. So, so you started off listening to Motown and Michael Jackson on the radio and singing along with it. And and years later, mm-hmm. here you are, doing these concerts with yes. with symphony orchestras singing right? those songs. It's pretty amazing. Yes, and I, it is pretty amazing, you know. And I catch myself. I even say it on stage. It's like I even make a joke out of it because it's so surreal. I used to be one of those. Yeah, I was. You know, I told you when I was grounded, I would just listen to music. I would collect everything and anything Michael Jackson. This is just for one of the examples of the shows that I do. But um, he. I, I idolized him. I loved him. I was one of those super fans that knew all the words and knew all the all the choreography and this thriller video. And I had a little red. I even had the red jacket with all the zippers. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like, and then I wouldn't couldn't even fathom then being on stage one day performing for thousands of people, singing his music with this with sixty piece orchestra. I mean what a blessing what a gift what a joy you know what a privilege and what a responsibility too i mean and and prince as well mm-hmm. i got you know prince motown michael jackson earth wind and fire all this music i used to grow up listening to 
I get to perform now. And, and it's just been such, such fuel and gold for my heart and soul. So yeah, love teens and classics. And then years later, you decide to record a jazz album. Yes. Um, and again, I've always loved jazz music. Like that was again, back, back in my late teens, I would listen to Abby Lincoln and just sing with her alone in my room or Billie Holiday or Ella. Um, and, and so I love, I've, I've always had a love for jazz. And, um, again, this is a, a thing that came to me with Mr. Bill King, right. um, who's a fantastic, uh, pianist, musician, photographer himself. Um, pretty much knows everybody in the city. So I think Gavin want to, want to record a tune or record, record, uh, record some music. And I think, um, our first tune was for all we know and uh decided to do another uh song and he knew the slate a wonderful slate family who's amazing for the arts in canada and uh such a generous mm -hmm. generous entity for um young artists and musicians and 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 all of the, the gamut basically and he knew the slates and he arranged a meeting with uh um with gary slate and and myself and um over that uh, over that chat we were um, generously able to record my uh, my jazz, or our it's not just it's not a it's not even a solo album it's a, basically it's a Bill King featuring Gavin Hope it's a do it's a duo album um, we got the funding for that album and we got to do that and uh, it was it was a joy as well I just love to be in the studio as well as be on stage I just basically was singing and uh, I got to we got to be on over so many different tunes about possibly to put on the album and we narrowed it down to the, the songs that, that are there. Um, but so many more to be done still. I, I, I hope to do another uh, album again, a jazz, another jazz album again sometime soon. Would you be able to quantify how different a singer you might be on this album than you were on your first album? Well, my first album was a complete um, radio-friendly pop, bubblegum pop even, bouncy boy band, but with one boy kind of <laughs> vibe. It was the 90s. Right. It was that. It was totally, you know, lots of mm. lots of instrumentation, lots of bop, lots of up-tempo. This album, for all we know, with Bill King, is, is much more of a minimalist, uh, redux, um, simple but beautifully simple pairing of piano and voice, uh, similar to Tony Bennett and Bill Evans. Um, but when they used to have that um, recording uh, relationship uh, years ago, it's just it's a pleasure to listen to, and um, it got really good feedback uh, from from uh, the media outlets. And you know, to perform it too, it's like you I, I'll perform that, and I just have to stand and sing. You know, there's no choreography, there's no dancers um, like I've had with my first album. It's basically people just sit and they listen because you're telling. It's just a different way of relaying the message to and, and and there's much more like because it's it's brought it's redux reduced redux minimalist it's a simple sound and it's a it can be all the more sweeter that way too very intimate how do you get better as a singer at the stage in 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 your career um better subjective i would say it's more growth you know listening to yourself listening to how you are at um not perceived, but how you're re received mm -hmm. um, by audiences, live performances over the years. You obviously, as you age, phys phys physiologically you change, but you have to adapt and you have to, you know, while I'm not a professionally trained singer, 
there are elements of singing that you know control that changes you have to adapt um uh as a singer i'm more i wouldn't say established it's not right that's not the right word but i just own myself more i know my sound more i know where my voice is going to go more um you know uh and that's that's empowering you know i feel more confident i would hope i would feel more confident after 30 years shit <laughs> but what what is what has last year done for you as a, like I, how do you keep up your confidence when when you you can't really work as much my confidence as a singer i think is it's again it's like riding a bike it's, i mean i am biting i'm chomping at the bit to get back on stage again i've had the fortunate opportunity to do a couple of demo sessions and record a couple of demo sessions so i know it's still there but as far as the muscle itself and as far as the so you know if you haven't been on stage for a while uh then you have to get that 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 patter back you have to get that that mojo and energy back right. that never really goes away but sometimes you know just to get that that vibe back on stage you just connect and boom there it is the same thing goes with um touring in a band you know when we were at the nylons if we hadn't been together for a while if we get back to on stage it's like oh oh there was a, ooh, oh all right <laughs> there were some hiccups in the, in the banter and the flow of the show that kind of stuff will take a few a few goes but as far as being a vocalist and getting back on stage, there there is not concern, but yeah, I there will there's awareness that it's a muscle and when you don't use it as much, like this this last year, it's just been it's been decimated. It's decimated my my community, my my peers and just like like musicians and performers and actors. It's like everything has been completely shut down. Mm-hmm. My whole year of concerts has been cancelled or postponed. Um and so yes, I mean there will be I will be aware that you know, um, it's not going to be complete rock stars. It's up to me to basically practice and keep singing on my own, you know, keep that dust off the pipes, you know, the cobwebs and the bats, they need to stay away, but uh, it'll come back. I had totally a faith that I mean, as soon as we get back, we're going to, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I have a feeling that as soon as we're able to, it's just going to be euphoric and adrenaline and performing, performing the actual fuck out of every freaking note that we do to our best of your ability because we're so happy to be back. We've missed our audiences. I miss the audiences. It's just like it's 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 like food for our like for my soul. Um, I keep speaking in we. I don't mean royal we. I just <laughs> I just know my peers, my friends who are in the same boat as I am. Yeah. It's just we can't wait, and I know that a lot of people can't wait to see concerts again and. It's just therapeutic. It's cathartic. It's, oh, I can't wait. So, yeah, it's, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it's a muscle. It's going to be tighter. But every every day I keep trying to do something that I, that I sing, where, yeah. I, where I can sing, where I can, you know, stretch it out. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, as I said, I got a chance to watch you work in the studio many, many years ago. And I thought, well, you're somebody I would love to talk to. And, and, I, and not until you said yes did I know the depth of your background and all the amazing things that you've done. It's quite an amazing journey. Well, thank you, and I hope it continues. <laughs> I hope, you know, sure. I can't wait for it to cont- you know, continue on, and thank you very much for asking me to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for doing this, and, and uh, it was a real honor. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Thanks, Dr.